1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And we're back. I apologize for last week's absence. I, on the Thursday, I normally record the pod. I coached a eighth grade varsity baseball game in about 40 to 50 mile an hour winds. Winds that were so intense that all of the loose dirt that is normally present on a baseball field that makes sliding acceptable had blown away. And we were playing on what almost felt like rock, you know, very hard and compact dirt. Nobody slid at that point. Nobody was sliding. Everybody was just running it through. It was, uh, and, and, and I wouldn't say that I was underdressed, but it was still just freezing cold. It was like in the 40s, and then you add the wind chill, and it was very, very, very cold. Players were freezing. I was freezing, and it felt like one of those days/slash evenings where I just needed to go home, take some medicine just in case. I wasn't even feeling sick. Do you guys ever do that? Like, you realize that you're you were you're in a position where you you could become sick, or you just are on the very verge of having some slight discomfort. Like you're like, there's a 90% chance I'm good, but I feel like maybe I'm feeling sick. So I'm gonna start taking some medicine. Um, obviously I shop at Costco. I buy daytime and nighttime flu meds. And if I even feel remotely crummy, I start taking that stuff every four hours. And for the most part, I avoid, I can't even remember the last time I was truly down and out. With the flu, I mean, even my my bounce with COVID, I got COVID a couple of times. Uh, that was relatively nothing, and I'm not saying nothing was serious. It's just, you know, I feel like really hitting those meds when uh, when you can from a symptom standpoint, dude. It, it it does wonders. I am so paranoid when it comes. I'm in i t- I'm a teacher. I want to stay healthy for my students, and um, I don't like missing work. So the moment I start to feel crummy, bam, meds. And I came back from that baseball game freezing and saying that this could very easily give me a bad cold slash like a a, a flu. So uh, I took some nighttime medicine, went in there, watched like I think I watched The Last of Us or, or something and fell asleep and had like a nice, cool nine hours of sleep ish. Um, and, and I think that's another thing that's underrated about your health. I, that's probably more obvious than anything, but just the amount of sleep you get. If you want to feel better, if you want to feel good, try to get as much sleep as you can. Now there's some of you out there that probably have kids. I'll, I'll be joining that relatively soon. No, that's not an announcement. We're just, you know, I'm just getting to the point where, uh, you know, my full name is Robert Newton louder. The fifth, I got, I got to start, start going to bat here. Um, it's just how much sleep you get. Now. My point was, is there's probably people there with out there with young children that are listening that don't have the luxury of a ton of sleep and, you know, or maybe you're just not a great sleeper or maybe you're just that damn busy. Uh, Maybe you love video games like me. Um, Video games is like the sworn enemy of sleep, by the way. That's got to be one of the key factors to just consistently feeling good and avoiding sickness, right? It's just to get a lot of sleep, you would think. You know, I I feel fantastic when I get a lot of sleep. Hopefully I can heed those words this evening. Um, But yeah, so last week it was just a matter of getting done with that baseball game, knowing I needed to record the pod and just feeling like, if I don't get to bed right now, if I don't take some meds and get to bed right now, I'm gonna be uh, regretting it. So I text Tyler and said, Hey, no pod this week. Now it was it was a relatively slow week. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff to get into, so I don't feel like I deprived you guys of very much. But you know, a week without striking gold is 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 not very common. So that's my uh that's my excuse out of the way. You can take it or leave it. You know, it is what it is. Uh, This episode is going to be the John Lynch episode. I mean, we got to hear from John Lynch at the NFL Scouting Combine, which is going on right now. Man, you know what? You know what kind of bums me out? And I hope some of you guys are still in this headspace. Maybe like five, six years ago, I used to just like, I could not wait for the Combine. And I could not wait to watch each broadcast. And I could not wait to watch every position run and I'm just not there anymore. And it's not a matter of not, it's not a thing. It's not a football thing. It's like a, where my priorities lie thing. That was before, you know, striking gold. That was before writing for Niners nation, Niners wire, um, before, you know, the media, when I started doing the media stuff, I used to just crave it. And now I'm like, you know, it it, kind of like marked that midway point from the end of the season to the draft. And, And now I'm just like, man, I got to look up what these dudes ran because I have no idea. You know, I know the 49ers are meeting with a lot of players. I don't know who they are. And it's starting to creep into, like, my draft coverage, too, in terms of watching, um, you know, whether it's it's something as simple as highlights on YouTube to actually tracking down games. Um, What was that draft YouTube channel back in the day? Draft, draft, draft tube, draft, draft something there used to be i mean one of a youtube channel that just was all over it with the draft content but anyways it's it's hard to keep up with these players now like when you're fo- when your sole focus is on the 49ers and you know what you're going to talk about that week and or however many times I'm podding at the moment it's just hard to follow the draft stuff you know i'm going to have to get into that and we got and the next time i jump on here right now it's march 2nd the next time I jump on here, that'll probably be next week. That'll probably be the last episode before free agency. Or maybe, you know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do a two episode a week. I, I feel like jump leading into free agency or at least, you know, reacting to it is, is worthy of a back going back to two a week. Um, but we're like right there, you know, we're right up against free agency and I just don't know my, uh, you know, I don't know my stuff. I don't, my, don't, my, don't know my stuff. So again, like I said, a John Lynch episode, he spoke to, uh, at the combine, he spoke to NBC sports, Matt Mayoko, a lot of good little tidbits, some of it, uh, kind of repeating what we already know, but at the same time going a little more in depth, I'm going to try and rehash most of what John Lynch said. Some of it didn't need to necessarily be repeated or restated, but, uh, and just kind of give my takes on some of it, uh, again, nothing too crazy nothing too groundbreaking. It's just that time of year. You know, you're at a time of year where either teams aren't saying anything or the things they do say is kind of bullshit because free agency is right around the corner. You know, every, everybody loves to lie this time of year, especially as we inch closer to the draft. It's like a, it's like a fuck around and find out chart, you know, as, as we get, uh, near nearest to the draft, the, the, the chart starts to rise with the, uh, the bullshit. So, um, First thing that I guess you could say the most prominent thing that John Lynch talked about was just expanding on Brock Purdy's injury, his status, where that's going Uh, to just review. Brock Purdy's surgery was supposed to be February 22nd um, when Dr. Keith Meister of the Baseball Texas Rangers. Took a look at the, uh, at the arm. He said, we, we can't do this now. We have to wait for swelling to go down. And he elaborated uh, with John Lynch saying that, look, all my most successful surgeries that have yielded the best results have all been done after swelling has gone down, after the, the soreness has gone down, after that, that elasticity has returned to uh, most of the area. So that's why he wanted to wait. It's, it's definitely a long-term thing. The 49ers are in no rush. I mean, in the back of their head, they're the back of their head, they're in a rush. They know that every day that this surgery is delayed, that's one more day that Purdy cannot participate in an off-season program or in uh, in the regular season because it's going to get to that. So, Dr. Meister delayed the surgery until early March. Now it looks like it's it's almost going to start creeping towards mid March because I think Lynch said that. Um. Purdy and it sounded like he might be involved too in Lynch, and dr. Meister will will reevaluate this next week and then if the swelling has gone down, then they will head to Arlington and conduct the surgery, so I guess not quite mid March, but at the very least you know it might be march sixth seventh eighth ninth i i anywhere in there, so we're definitely creeping that direction, you know, and again to to reiterate the timelines and these timelines are. It's kind of like the, uh, the Pirate's Code, you know, from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. They're more like guidelines, you know, like the, when he tells her that. And even though she just she knows the Pirate's Code from uh, from top to front, he basically just says, yeah, you know, F that. That's kind of the way that John Lynch talked about the timelines in regards to the surgery options that Purdy could have. Um, you know, you've got the you've got repairing uh, the, you've got repairing the injury. You know, they keep talking about that internal brace. I got to look at it up. I want to see what that looks like. It just sounds weird. An internal brace. Like you have a brace inside of you. Like, uh, okay, that sounds terrifying, but also, I mean, they're the experts. If that is the surgery, then the timeline, the loose timeline is six months. But if they have to completely re- reconstruct that, I mean, what is the correct term? Ligament. You know, like if they have to completely reconstruct it, you're looking at 9 to 12 months, which, I mean, do the math. It's March. That's a January to March time frame. That's a, that's a season ender. So there's a lot of hanging in the balance here in terms of Brock Purdy and the 49ers and what the two hope to do this season. Um now, every indication from John Lynch has been that he's going to have the lesser timeline. But I'm just being honest with you guys based on the vibes I got in this press conference, both from, both at the Combine and with Matt Mayoko. I didn't sense a lot of confidence coming from Lynch. I just didn't. I, I mean, he's not a doctor. He, maybe he has no reason to be confident. And, and that, you know maybe it's a little silly of me to begin with. I think it's fair to say that. And the fact that why would Lynch be confident about any of it? He's probably nervous as hell. I mean, it's going to play a huge role in dictating the 49ers success this year. Just is. So maybe he is a little tepid about it. Maybe he's a little bit nervous, but I just didn't, they've, they've initially Kyle and John acted very confident that this was a six month injury and and everything will be good. And it very well could be, I think it's important for me to say that right now before I talk too much. It, it very well could be, that could, that could be the case could be six months and Purdy's looking at a mid September, uh full return to action type of deal because this surgery involves a, a ramp up like the recovery time includes like a three month ramp up back into action, which normally recovery times don't always do that, you know, and depending on the injury, They'll say that he's fully medically recovered within nine months, but then it's going to take him some time to get to where he's playing in every down situations. This kind of seems different in the way that people talk about it. Purdy will be rehabilitating himself and working himself back up into game shape simultaneously. But back to what I was saying, I just didn't get the sense that Lynch was confident. I, I, get, I understand what he's been told. But it, I really get the sense that he knows that this could go either way. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I'm, again, you guys know this. I teach middle school art and I coach football and baseball. There's no part of my, my resume that speaks to being a doctor, although I was a medical officer in the Army. But if you know anything about medical officers in the, officers in the Army, um, especially ones in charge of medics, you're really not expected to know medical things. But anyways, I think I've talked about that. Just not a lot of confidence exuding from Lynch. Lynch, even the way he—I think I just called him Lish, like Shish—um, even said, you know, this is not a baseball injury. A two hundred and fifty-pound defensive end plowed into his arm when it was trying to come forward. So that kind of speaks to the unconventional nature of the injury and the unconventional unpredictability of what the surgery, what surgery is going to be required. And I think that's why Lynch and and kind of just, everybody's just not sure. And even the doctor from what Lynch said has been said to him by Dr. Meister, he doesn't even know what to expect. You know, he doesn't told Lynch that he doesn't have a crystal ball. I don't know how this is going to go. It doesn't, we won't know until we get in there. And even then every player is different. Could Purdy's recovery be even shorter than um, they'd hoped? Yes. Could it be even longer than than they anticipated? Of course. So it's, Everything is up in the air right now, and it just is so typical for the 49ers that they have to, they have to wade through this situation, which is since Kyle Shanahan's come to the 49ers, that's all they've done is, is deal with quarterback uncertainty. And in terms of the, in the, in the long-term view, I, I, you have to think that based on what the 49ers saw, from Brock Purdy last season, I mean, you would have to think that they think of him as a long-term option, correct? You would, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that the 49ers are looking at Purdy as if he's a franchise quarterback? I think they are. I think they're cautiously optimistic. You know, it's, when you look at Purdy's skill set, there's not very many things, or there are a few things that would say he's not what you would expect at a franchise quarterback. He's not big. He's not strong. He's not tall. He's not particularly fast. He is quick. Um, he doesn't have a crazy arm. He, he's got a okay arm. He's got a good enough arm. But there, there's almost more things that are unspectacular and average about Purdy than there are special, but then that's also part of what makes him special is that it seems like he was able to succeed in spite of his deficiencies and his quickness and his decisiveness and his creativity and his confidence were were strong enough to overcome those types of, of drawbacks. And, and I think over time, we've slowly learned that there is no prototypical mold for a franchise quarterback. And maybe what goes on, and it's as corny as this is to say, what goes on in the head and the heart are, are just as important to that equation as being 6'5 with 10 half- inch hands and an arm that go, you know can throw the ball 70 yards. And there's just so much more to it, and Purdy is part of what proves that. So if the 49ers believe that they have a franchise quarterback on their hands, then, then this surgery and this timeline is mostly irrelevant. Now, when you, to walk that back a bit, How open is the 49ers Super Bowl window? Now We can talk about how this season in the long grand scheme of things is irrelevant, but it can't be that irrelevant when you've got a roster chocked full. (coughs) Excuse me. Chocked full of all pro, pro bowl, quality football players from top to bottom, Super Bowl roster. Like, while in terms of Purdy and his success and his ability to grow into a, a quarterback that's on this roster for 10 plus years. Yes. Long-term is far more important than the short-term. But in terms of the 49ers Super Bowl window and having a quarterback capable capable of, of leading this team forward, the, the, the long-term view is is not so long. <laughs> you know, it's like they can obviously, like we, like I just said, in terms of specifically Brock Purdy, they've got time this surgery is just a blip on the radar in terms of what they're hoping to see from him over the long term but this team they've got to win now they're capable of winning now you know that's the only thing that's kind of keeping this like in a way they don't have all the time in the world because they've got a roster that is uh is ready to win now you've got free agency starting um, I believe the uh, the old tampering window opens on the 13th, if I'm not mistaken, and then a couple days later, you'll officially be able to sign players. Uh, John Lynch knows that he is going to, kind of just staying on the topic of quarterbacks, John Lynch knows that he is going to need another option. As crazy as it is to say, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance aren't enough. Shit, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Jimmy Garoppolo weren't enough. And so... And the 49ers starting now are in even a weirder predicament. You know, last year they didn't have Brock Purdy or, you know, they, they drafted him but didn't know he was the Brock Purdy they have now. They had Trey Lance, who was mostly up in the air, but they knew he was going to be the starter. And he had Jimmy the Garoppolo, who ended – Jimmy the Garoppolo. If you had Jimmy Garoppolo swarming up, rehabbing on the side of the field like he was – some veteran player that just asked if he could use a portion of the practice field and it was one of the weirdest things i've ever seen but it worked and he stuck around and he won games for the 49ers and played well and it still wasn't enough and now the 49ers are going into this season with an injured Brock Purdy and a still slight, still hampered but still recovering Trey Lance and uh, they've got to get somebody else in the building and with free agency approaching uh, w- Brock Purdy's timeline means a lot. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they know they need that third experienced quarterback despite whatever the news is on Brock Purdy, but they're just in a predicament with that spot too. When it comes to adding another quarterback to the roster, there's only a, there's a very specific brand of quarterback that would really even only have value to the 49ers at that spot. And not necessarily, I mean, they could still draft a quarterback and add a veteran through free agency, but... 49ers are walking this weird tightrope of, they need a good player, but they also need a cheap player. They also need a good and cheap player that's cool with being the third string quarterback. And it's very difficult to put all three of those together. You've got like the Andy Dalton's, Taylor Heineke, but Andy Dalton seems like an easy choice, but he might be too pricey. I believe he came in at like 3 million last year. But you would have to think after playing significant time for the Saints that his value went up significantly. He played played fairly well. Taylor Heineke, I, I like Taylor Heineke a lot, but I think he's going to be aiming a lot higher than the 49ers third-string quarterback. He's going to want to go somewhere where at the very least he's got a chance to compete to be the starter or or maybe you have that backup with a very good chance of stepping in. Now, shit, I, I think that's still the 49ers, given the luck they've had. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan is somebody that's going to be familiar with every everything Kyle Shanahan has on the table, but I'm not sure he's I'm not sure he's good enough anymore. I mean, the the decline for Matt Ryan was was significant. It was it was steep, you know. And you look at the quarterback roster in terms of finding guys that are going to be able to ease that ease that burden of having to wait for Purdy and not quite sure what's going to happen with Trey Lance. Just looking at the that the free agent list on Over the Cap, you've got, you know, just looking at the names that could possibly make sense. you got Carson Wentz up there, but I don't think the 49ers would want Carson Wentz in that locker room. I don't think you really want him about around Lance and Purdy. You know, Sam Darnold, eh, I'm not so sure. Teddy Bridgewater, a guy that's that's been around for, for quite some time that might be a good option there. You want a player that if, your quarterbacks go down and you're going to miss five, the quarterback's going to miss five games, say high ankle sprain. You want a a quarterback that's going to be able to come in and go like three and two, you know, something like that. Now, again, you're talking about being behind Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, but what if Trey Lance gets hurt? Well, Brock Purdy's still not 100% because Purdy had to have the longer surgery. There's so many different scenarios, and you just got to kind of embrace that right now. We're just kind of talking about options without really putting too much investment into the scenario. Cause it's going to be all over the place. Um, Jacoby Brissett, somebody that can win you some games. I don't know what case Keenum's doing. He's, he's been okay in the past. Again, Andy Dalton stands out as like the ideal option, but I'm not sure if i going to be cheap enough for the 49ers. We'll see. Uh, I like Taylor. Like I said, I like Taylor Heineken a lot. Um, Josh Johnson, uh, too soon. I'm sorry. I'm looking at, you know, those are really Nate Sudfield is still is is supposed to go back into free agency. Maybe the 49ers could have him back knowing that he's going to know the uh, the playbook and be a pretty even transition. Um yeah, not a whole lot of other names here that really speak to what the, the specifics of what 49ers would need there. Um is um Cardinals backup Former 49ers quarterback. Why am I drawing a blank? Um, I guess he's not becoming a free agent. I'm looking, I'm just I'm just perusing now. Colt McCoy, there we go. I know y'all were yelling in on the other than Mike. But anyways, let's keep rolling. Uh I don't want to I don't want to wander off too much. So there's a lot of quarterback options out there. The 49ers are, are, are obviously want that surgery to be conducted as soon as possible for Ferdy so that they can know how heavy they need to wade into this quarterback free agent market because there's a lot of guys on there. That kind of fit the bill of what they want, you know, a veteran guy who's been there and done that, who can win them games, but is really at a point in his career where he's not too bad with you know, too upset with being a backup. And I suppose the, even the 49ers, you know, in this weirdly perverted way, have a a way of being able to tell quarterbacks like, yeah, you're the third quarterback on the roster. But did you watch this last season? The third quarterback kind of like almost one offensive rookie of the year. So uh, third quarterback plays here in San Francisco. That's such a weird pitch to make somebody. Trey Lance, John Lynch spoke about Trey Lance. Um, everything was pretty obvious when it came to talking about Trey Lance. He just needs to play, that's what Lynch said. He's handling all the adversity, adversity as well as he could. And what was cool is Purdy, you know, told us that or Lynch told us that when Purdy would come off the sidelines, the person he wouldn't talk to, would talk to first was not Kyle Shanahan. It was not Brian Greasy, his quarterback coach. It was, it was not Bobby Slowick, you know, in the offensive coordinator. It was Trey Lance. They would talk about things first. So that kind of speaks to the relationship there and why Lynch thinks that he's handling the adversity as well as he could. Lynch also said that they're just as convicted, if not even more convicted, about trey lance than when they drafted him now that they've gotten to know him either more even more see the type of person he is and lynch just kept elaborating he just needs time he needs to play he needs to get on the field and that's you know lance has dealt with some uh, a few injuries here and there before he even was met with the broken ankle so there's definitely some adversity that he needs to work through Lynch kind of acknowledged Mayoko mentioned the fact that all of the guys kind of you know put their their feather in Brock Purdy's cap as far as who should be the starter going forward. And that shouldn't shock anybody. You know, even Lance mentioned it. It's Purdy played like a starter. He played so well, he balled out. Why would he not be the starter moving forward? But Lynch was quick to say, look, competition brings out the best of us. And Lance has always said, All I want is the opportunity to compete. All I want is to be able to get in there and compete. And Lynch acknowledged that, saying, "Look, I, I, I we get that Brock Purdy seems like he's the guy, but Lance is going to come in there and compete, and hopefully bring out the best in all of them." Now, the thing that I think that needs to be said, and I believe I've been pretty forward with this on the pod with you guys, is Lance is still a huge part of this team, and now that Purdy's injury or surgery has been pushed back, and the fact that it could end up being a longer recovery than six months. The 49ers look like they are going to go into this next season with Trey Lance starting at quarterback and they can't necessarily afford to start off in the same way they started off last year, which was, you know, three and four and who knows where they were going to go, you know, and obviously they went on to win like some 14 games in a row or something just outlandish. You include the playoffs. So, It's just I keep getting this impression that people think that Trey Lance is some type of afterthought on this team. Dude, he's the third overall pick. The team traded a ton to get him, and things have evolved in a way where that doesn't necessarily apply anymore. But Lance is about to be fully cleared to play football, whereas Purdy's about to go under the knife for a surgery that's going to take at least six months, pushing him to mid-September Lance is the guy that's going to take them through the off season. Lance is the guy that's going to take them into the season and that entire team has to be firing on all cylinders and they're not going to get an easy schedule from what I remember, they've already got the home and away opponents. We'll have to cover that soon. It's going to be a tough schedule and this team's going to need to start strong and if they're going to it's a lot of that's going to have to be Lance. Now things could change, we, you know what the NFL life is like especially with the 49ers, but there is nothing Afterthought about Lance. He is going to have a huge role in this team's success and at the absolute very least push that position forward, whether it's Purdy, whether it's him, he's going to compete for that job. And if Purdy's still recovering, he's going to be the person that takes the 49ers into the regular season. Lynch also mentioned that it looked like the 49ers were officially, you know, parting ways. One reason was simply that Garoppolo was going to be coveted in free agency, and I and I really do feel like he will be. I think Jimmy Garoppolo will probably land a uh, a a very lucrative two or three year deal. I assume could go further than that if if people start bidding for him. Obviously, very grateful for everything Jimmy Garoppolo did for this organization, and to me, that is my end ending thoughts. I I don't want to rail about Garoppolo more than we already have. But if there's one thing that you should think of when you hear that name is in terms of his his tenure with the 49ers, and yes, they did never won the big game. They got all the way there on the cusp a couple of times, but Garoppolo completely changed this this organization. Garoppolo completely changed the 49ers for the better. I mean, go back to 2017 when that man stepped in for the last five games. And just completely transformed that team before our eyes. You're talking about a team that had done nothing but lose all year long. Garoppolo steps in and they win five in a row. They they knock off the Jaguars, one of the most feared teams of that season. You know, with Jalen Ramsey still on that side of the ball. I mean, Garoppolo just gave this team meaning and gave this team hope. And this team won a lot of games with Garoppolo. And I just think that. If there's anything you can take away from that, it's just how well he was able to, he, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo basically put his arms around Kyle Shanahan's team and took it up like, like Superman. And he looks like Superman too. He's got the jawline. He basically grabbed this team by the waist and flew straight up. And yeah, the 49ers didn't get as high as they wanted to, but. That guy completely transformed this organization and helped build this team into what it's become. And I think it's important to remember that. Like obviously not everything happened as planned with Garoppolo. He had his fair share of injuries and shortcomings. But just go back to where this team was when uh in 17 before he got here. And and there's it, there's just no way you can't be um thankful for what he did. It, it was just nothing short of of outstanding. And uh I think that his time with the 49ers should be remembered as being pretty damn uh, pretty damn special. Pretty damn special. A couple of other things John Lynch mentioned. Looks like uh right tackle Mike McGlinchey will be headed for free agency. Something we kind of saw coming and it that it's multi multi-tiered. It's not just You know your average fan on Twitter yelling at the rooftops that Mike McGlinchey sucks. Now, I understand that some of you guys on the other end of the speaker might be like, oh, he does suck, Rob, so shut up. And I understand that. Mike McGlinchey had his fair share of bad highlights, but he also had his fair share of good highlights. Nobody just looks for those in the offensive line. And I think McGlinchey is a player that might border on the realm of you know, you don't know what you got until it's gone, type of deal, and that depends a lot on what the Forty ers do to replace him. But there's not necessarily a player on the roster that you're you're looking at going like, okay, there's the replacement right there. I mean, you've got Daniel Brunskill and Jake Brendel, who I believe are both headed for free agency. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're both back. Uh, you got Jalen Moore. Uh, you got Colton McKivitz. Like, who's the guy that's going to step in for? Mike McGlinchey, that's not going to be a downgrade. And they could look that direction in the draft. They could look that direction in free agency. But as of right now, until the 49ers get someone in here to that's going to help ease that passing, I think if ease that passing is a bad word, that's very funeral esque of me, and I'm sorry. But the 49ers are going to have a tough time replacing McGlinchey right away. Uh, I mean, if you look at their draft capital, their first pick is until the third round. So it's not like you're going to get. Um, an immediate investment in a tackle at the first round, like they did with McGlinchey in the first place. So that, that could be a loss that they feel it's kind of a means to an end. It's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying that that shouldn't happen. I believe that the 49ers should part ways with McGlinchey, but I still think that there's going to be, uh, you know, some, some bumps in the road when it comes to replacing him. And the, the, the like I was saying, it's not just about Mike McGlinchey's shortcomings. He's going to get paid quite a bit of money, and i'm I, I can also hear you guys on the other end of the speaker going, ha-ha, good, That team's you know, what a bunch of idiots!" You know the uh Will Smith meme of from wedding crashes of him kicking the couch or the table going, "What an idiot? Good, good, so I think my point with McGlinchey is you can definitely get better. But you can also get a lot worse. And we're going to find out which direction the 49ers go pretty damn quick. Uh, like I said, I mean, is Daniel Brunskill somebody that you feel comfortable sliding in there? Possibly. You know, that's a guy with a lot of experience. Jake Brendel, hopefully they bring him back to man the center spot. But it's just a little bit of a, it's a little bit of an unknown behind McGlinchey. And who's going to step up or who are they going to bring in to fill that role? It's There's no easy answer there. And another one kind of in the same vein is Robbie Gould. Not, not even in the same vein. Gould's about to hit free agency. The 49ers have been looking at kickers at the combine. Is it an negotiating tactic? Are they really prepared to let Robbie Gould walk? I mean, what would you rather them do? Would you rather them pay Robbie Gould for an expensive one- or two-year deal again? Or would you rather them go down the rabbit hole of finding a rookie kicker that can come in and and fill a void left by uh, somebody with some serious kicker knowledge would have to fill me in, but is Robbie Gould not one of the best kickers of all time? I mean, if you look at this guy's statistics, he's made um, 86% of his lifetime field goals. He's made 97% of his lifetime extra points. He's made 447 field goals. He's made 636 extra points. No, 620 extra points. He's over 1,000 kicks made. With the 49ers, he made 87% of his field goals and 96% of his extra points. Now, I I am definitely not well-versed in the art of what makes a great kicker, and I know that he's never missed in playoff football. Never, he's never missed one field goal in the playoffs. So I believe that still holds, right? I didn't, we didn't, we didn't, uh, didn't break that record. I don't think so. I'm just staring at it right now. So you're, now you're talking about a, a player with real impact on the 49ers and their ability to win games. And, The idea of Robbie Gould not coming back and replacing him with some young kicker that, I mean, shoot, could work out, I guess, But or maybe they look to free agency there too. I'm not sure which kickers are hitting free agency. That'll have to be something we look at next week. But, I mean, the idea of Robbie Gould heading out, that's a little scarier than that of Mike McGlinchey. But both of them have a very good chance of being like, man, I missed that player. And, and and again, I am certainly not going to back for Mike McGlinchey and whether or not you should miss him. But, again, my, my, my point, same with Robbie Gold, is could you get better? Could you get someone that's around the same? Yep, but you could also get a hell of a lot worse. So we'll see where that goes. Maybe the 49ers checking out kickers at the combine is just a negotiating tactic to let Gould know that, hey, like, we want to keep you around, but we've got to do our due diligence. Another one that keeps coming up is Jimmy Ward, and that's a tough one. You know, John Lynch was asked about Jimmy Ward and he was very frank in saying that the 49ers would like to resign him. And that is the correct answer. Jimmy Ward is not just a versatile player. He's, I mean, going all the way back to when he was drafted, this guy has played nickel. He's played safety. He's played perimeter corner. He's played everywhere for the 49ers, all the way up right near the line of scrimmage to all the way deep in, in, in the deep third. So it's like, this man has, has left his mark on this organization. Even Kyle Shanahan said himself, like, if I could wear a player's jersey, it would be Jimmy Ward's." Now, this season seemed to have maybe changed that relationship a little bit. I'm not necessarily taking in lieu of Kyle Shanahan, but, you know, you had Tashawn Gibson back there, who just, by all accounts, was playing outstanding football, and... With some injuries, the 49ers asked Jimmy Ward to go down and play nickel, and Jimmy Ward asked to eventually come back and play safety, and Kyle Shanahan, sure, you can play safety if you want to be on the bench. Basically saying, I'm not benching Talanoa Hufanga or Tashawn Gibson so you can go back to safety. And that is a little bit of a, uh, not a slap in the face to Jimmy Ward, but like a little bit of a wake-up call saying, look, we like the way these guys are playing. So that being said, I don't know what the 49ers are going to do with Deshaun Gibson, and I don't know what they're going to do with the 49ers. I just know that Jimmy Ward is like a tone setter. He is one of the truly veteran players on that defense. He is versatile. He can fill in all over the place for the 49ers, and he's a leader in the locker room, and he's just a guy you want out there. I mean, I one of the things I instantly think of with Jimmy Ward is just going toe-to-toe with – um, DeAndre Hopkins at Texans practice to, uh, and, and was willing to go to scraps with him because he is a tone setter for that defense. I'm watching Trenton Simpson. Oh no, it just paused. Never mind. Sorry, it was about to show Trenton Simpson's 40. Is he the linebacker that ran that ridiculous 40 yard dash? I got to check those out. I got to at least make sure I'm in the loop. So where do you guys stand on Jimmy Ward? I feel like a YouTuber. What do you guys stand on Jimmy Ward? Leave a uh, uh, leave a leave a message in the comments. I wish we had podcast comments you know like to where there was like a discussion that took place underneath this podcast i guess that could kind of happen on websites you know like if this pod was posted on niners nation or or niners wire people could leave replies but it would be cool that there was some like live discussion board that was that people could write in as they're listening to the podcast you know and then just react to something stupid i say or You know, the fact that I sound more like Kermit the Frog today than I do usually. Any comments? I mean, I I can handle the trolls. That's fine. So Jimmy Ward, I think, is a player that the 49ers should bring back, back, would like to bring back. Man, too many B words. But you you got that X factor, of the fact that the 49ers kind of had him play a nickel for a while, most of the season, and he wants to be paid like a safety, and he wants to play safety, but... Are the 49ers going to want to move him back there? And are they going to want to pay him like a safety? So who knows? Who knows?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Hold on. Just making sure. Okay, never mind. That's football sentencing news. Never mind. Okay. I was I thought I was seeing uh one of my sports buddies, for a fellow baseball coach, sent me a text saying something about six months. So I thought that maybe uh it had something to do with Purdy, but we're not supposed to find that out yet. So anyways. So to kind of close this up, to wrap this bow up, I mean, John Lynch was talked about uh, the draft and the fact that one of the things he thought that I thought it was interesting in regards to the draft, the 49ers have 10 picks, um, you know, a couple in the third, a couple in the fourth, and then uh, I don't even know if they got a couple in the fourth. I found about eight different versions of what, for, what exact picks the 49ers have. So I'm going to type it up again, see if I can get it. But now one of the things that Lynch said that, Hopefully he's not just, I don't know, speaking to his own wishes, you know, because one of the things that Lynch said was, is, yeah, this draft doesn't really have a whole lot of blue chip players up top that, that he's used to, but it's a very deep draft. And with that being said, that's exactly what the 49ers need to be true. Now, again, I don't know if Lynch is just trying to speak that into existence, But none of the the 49ers have no picks in the first or second round. I believe this is the last first round pick um, that they have to sacrifice for the Trey Lance trade, if I'm not mistaken. And then you've also got the second rounder that went to trading for Christian McCaffrey, which nobody bats an eye at now, which also I believe they they traded a second, a third, and a fourth, something like that. A future pick was in there, too, but one of those might've been future, but as of right now, as far as on here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, the 49ers have three third round picks on here. It's listed as 99, 100 and 101. So the 49ers are still getting quality talent in day two of the draft. And then might be something we're all excited about three picks in round five. And the 49ers have actually been aces in round five. So three picks in round five. So Three picks in round three. They're all three going to be running backs. You already know it. Three picks in round five, a pick in round six, and three picks in round seven. Can they just all three be Brock Purdy's? That'd be cool. So they've got a lot of picks. And if the draft truly is deeper than it is top heavy, then the 49ers are in good position to land some impact players. Now with three third round picks and the the other ammunition they've got back there, they could slide into the second round if they want to. Um, but it would probably erase – one of those third-round picks would go away. They'd slide up into the second, along with probably one of the fifth-rounders would go away. So it just depends on how confident they are in, in their draft analysis and how deep they truly feel this draft is on whether or not they feel like they need to trade up and or, or they just let the draft come to them and see who's sitting there. But one thing that every draft pundit – it got so old after a while. They're always yelling into this the the skies, oh, best player available like some draft robot. And from what I see from teams, that's rarely the case. Like rarely does a team truly have the luxury of just drafting best player available irres- irregardless of position. The 49ers not in position of that. They've got some pl- them, some areas they've got to reinforce. They've got some areas they've got to replace. They've got players hitting free agency that they're going to need to, and they're going to need to hit on these picks because there's a good chance that despite the 49ers roster strength, a lot of these rookies are going to see the field. So no matter how much people want to say best player available, there's definitely some drafting for need in here. And I think the 49ers, John Lynch said, like, look, we've got to take a look. We're we're taking a look at free agency. We're taking a look at the draft. We're taking a look at each position in regards to free agency and each position in regards to the draft and saying, look, do we feel more comfortable addressing this position in free agency or in the draft? And that's kind of this delicate balance that these front offices have to play. But neither of them says, oh, let's just draft the best player. They're always tailoring that towards the needs of the team and whether or not that can be addressed in free agency or the draft. It's, uh, It's just interesting that a roster as strong as the 49ers they have some pretty defined needs, you know, just off the top of my head. You've got um, probably some more investments in the secondary. They seem like they really need to hit the tight end position with possibly somebody that can really make a mark opposite Kittle. Maybe somebody that can uh, uh, type a move tight end that can actually catch some passes over there and actually be a playmaker. Um, or you, you know, it's, everybody wants a blocking tight end like George Kittle that can also make plays in the past game, like George Kittle, but that's tough to find, especially when your first pick isn't until pick 99, but maybe they can get a, a more versatile tight end. Maybe they've got to add some depth along the defensive line. They're still looking for an impact edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa. Uh, can you do that all the way in round three? That's tough. You know, they've got Drake Jackson somebody that they weren't shy in saying uh, he needs to get stronger and he needs to get in better shape because he started to be inactive late in the season. And, and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were very frank in saying he just needs to get stronger. You could tell that the the pro football life really got to him there at the end of the season. So that's a little bit of a challenge for him going forward. But I mean, these NFL locker rooms and their their strength and conditioning staffs are so impressive in terms of, what they can do with the player but maybe worth ending on is not necessarily the draft stuff. I mean we're not we're not really we were never really going to ta- talk draft right now. We're way early on that, but the NFLPA released its first ever team report card where they surveyed like 1300 players and there were five categories that teams were graded on. And so here's how the 49ers stacked up, which is it's just interesting. Let me get my Twitter up first because I know I retweeted Matt Miyoko's tweet on this, um, just kind of clarifying part of it. So the 49ers, um, in this first ever NFLPA report card, did okay. In terms of treatment of families, that's the first category. They got a B plus, which was sixth in the NFL. Now, some of these rankings, um, as Kyle Posey mentions here, We're like ties with other teams. So the ranking itself is is, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt. In terms of nutrition, they got an A minus, which is also sixth. Weight Room, they got an A minus, which is 10th. Strength staff got an A, which is twelfth. Training Room got a C seventeenth. Training staff got an A minus. An A minus got you twentieth in the NFL. Damn. And travel. But again, if an A-minus gets you 20th, then that tells you that there's a lot of ties there. And Travel got them an A-minus, which is good for 11th. Now, obviously, the, the black eye there that stands out is the training room, a C-plus. Now, my, my first and everybody's first instinct is, well, yeah, look how many players the 49ers have gotten injured. Of course, their training staff has a the training room has a bad grade. But no, they're literally talking about the facilities. Like, they're talking about the actual training room. The training staff got an A-. minus. They're talking about the actual training room. Uh, Mayoko elaborated, the responses for the team were positive in all but one section, the training room, a crucial area for players to rehab and recover. The tubs and rehab pool are viewed as small, and there are a lack of tables and space in the training room itself. Now, could that, could those inadequacies have contributed to the 49ers injuries? Uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, no, uh, yes, no, but I thought it was funny that the first moment you read training room C you're like, yep, they get injured all the time. Of course it gets a bad grade, but then you realize they're talking about the actual training room, like the facility. So, you got to wonder is is Jed York going to read this and instantly start cutting some checks to make that training room better for the boys or is it not to be is this ranking not to be serious taken seriously? Is this report card not a big deal? I don't know. It's it's just it's a little silly, but at the same time, hey, maybe the players will have their voices heard and maybe they'll do some upgrades in the training room. Um, to close out, let's do a shout out to uh, Clovis West receivers Landon Wright and uh, and Marshall Sanders, who have uh, both been reeling in the uh, the offers from college football. Both I coached in middle for two years in middle school, and they've gone on to become uh, outstanding high school receivers. Both of them, I believe, are three star recruits. Uh, Landon just got an officer on uh, just got an offer from Fresno State. Uh, on the 28th so a few days ago Um, that's not his first one it won't be his last both him and Marshall have just been reeling them in so if you see me retweet um, either Landon or Marshall talking about their offers and I'm just doing it out of pride man I coach these kids for two years I've watched them grow into to truly uh, remarkable athletes that they have a real real shot at playing on Sundays and I told them that when they were 12 year old kids and they didn't believe me um, but here they are now, just putting in the work and getting it done, and uh, uh, that you very well could be uh, could be hearing the the name Landon Wright and Marshall Sanders uh, on Sundays before long. So, shout out to my boys, man! Shout out to my boys, and like I said, if you see them on Twitter, uh, if you see me retweeting something, shoot them a congratulations. They don't need to know you; just let them know that that uh that, to give them some love, and and uh, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. But they're uh, only juniors. So they got, another, uh, they got another year ahead of them. I hope they have just have an incredible season coming up. But all right, that's 50 minutes of John Lynch's words. And John Lynch said this, and John Lynch said that. But hey, I thought a lot of it was important. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it to your speakers. And I think that it kind of did a good job of setting the scene for the offseason and what's to be expected. You know, there's a lot of things at play right now. And in typical 49er fashion, nothing is ever simple. Not even, you know, the quarterbacks, gosh, guys, quarterbacks. We're always talking about quarterbacks here, but it is what it is. It is what it is. We're just, we're going to take it on the chin and we're going to continue to press forward. Quarterbacks or no quarterbacks. All right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Please, if you deem deem us worthy, Leave us a positive review on whatever app you are listening to the show on. Always feel free to send me your thoughts and your feelings and your uh, your kind words to me on Twitter at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. But as I said, I love you guys, man. Thank you for listening to this podcast and thank you for supporting us through another crazy ass year. Don't forget to do your taxes. It's tax season. Hopefully, that involves, that involves some money coming back at you. But if not, I'm sorry to bring it up. All right, guys. You already know what it is. At some point, I got to stop talking. Like uh, Lincoln said in the movie, I'd write shorter sermons, but once I get started, I get too lazy to stop. So that's how it is here on Striking Gold. I just want just to just be here with y'all. Anyways, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But for another episode, I'm Rob, and we are striking gold, signing out.